Good morning. Welcome to church. Lovely to have you with us today, celebrating uh, another Sunday. Uh, we are 22 weeks into church at home. I'm so pleased that you've joined with us today as we continue our series in 1 Thessalonians, Think and Live in Light of Christ's Return. Today we get to the Christ Return bit. So I'm really excited about that later today. But to start our service today, I wanted to just read this passage of Scripture It's from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones. A a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away. And a time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And what this passage shows is that indeed there is a time for everything. You know, nothing is new under the sun is another one of of Solomon's uh, cries in this this book of Ecclesiastes. And the challenge we have is that we, we don't necessarily want to always give a time for things that are the yucky bits in life, but sometimes they happen. But what we can take away is within all of that, God is sovereign. So whatever time we are in right now, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, God has it all in control. So with that in mind, that indeed God is sovereign over all, let's worship Him today. Why don't you sing with me now? Blessed be your name In the land that is plentiful Where the streams of abundance flow Blessed be your name Blessed be your name When I'm found in the desert place Though I walk through the wilderness Blessed be your name Every blessing you pour out I'll turn back to praise 
dance alone Faultless stand before the throne everyone for uh, voting on our Extraordinary Circumstances Members Meeting Policy. Uh, just to inform you that was passed unanimously, 100% vote um, and we had I think 34 of our 41 members voting in that. So we definitely reached a quorum and, and everything worked fine. We're going to follow basically the same practice as what we did for that vote with our AGM which is coming up on August 30th. So members' packs, um, with all the information about our AGM, they have gone out this week, both in hard copy for those not on email, and for those on email, uh, it has come to you in a PDF document um, to all members. And if you're not a member, um, you may have also received it. Um, but uh, there's a link that was in that email as well where you can go to vote. And so there's, there's nine motions, uh, so just click in favour, against or abstain and whichever is uh, what you believe God is calling you to vote on. So do take this seriously, take it prayerfully before the Lord and voting is open now and closes on the 30th of, uh, of, of August. Um, so you can get in early and vote if you want to um, and uh, the things in the AGM, they're all there on, on the first two pages of the, the, the booklet that comes out with the agenda and then there's all the reports and everything. So thank you to everyone who did the reports. Um, I'll also be um, doing a video which will be coming out shortly um, and uh, that video will just talk through some of the things and hopefully answer some questions. Uh, so that link to that video will also be on email um, and I'm not sure if, uh, if uh, you would have received that yet or not, hopefully. Um, so watch the video, read the reports, look at the AGM, our finances are all at the back. Uh, so uh, that, that's going to help set us up for the coming year. Um, we just want to thank everybody for being patient with us through this time as well. Um, and yes, we know that we have to do these sorts of things, but uh, in, in the different ways, it's, it's a bit hard at the moment. You know, there, there is a time for challenge and hopefully there's a time for rest. Um, and speaking of rest, in September, I'll be taking some time off. Uh, so I'll be taking a couple of weeks off. Uh, I've already got a few guest preachers lined up. And so uh, Church at Home will continue. Um, I'll pre-edit all those services and load them up, ready to go, um, uh, so that whilst I'm on leave, church still happens online. Uh, but I just want to let you know that now that there'll be some time where I won't be available in September. Uh, I'll get, give those dates to you um, closer too. But thank you also for your giving. Uh, it's a really uh, key part of our worship of the Lord. Uh, and so I'd encourage you, if you uh, are, are able to, please do continue to give and uh, support the, the work that God is doing here in the Northeast and abroad. Now, I'm really proud of the way our, our family give in missions. Um, we are a very generous church for the size of our congregation. It, it is truly um, amazing to see how generous our church is. And so I just really want to encourage you um, that you are a generous people. Um, and so I want to thank you as the Lord does for your generous nature, your generous heart, and uh, for supporting the work in the mission field, um, as well as here locally, in our local missions, um, such as in uh, Loaves and Fishes, Christians Caring. Uh, that's our, our emergency relief uh, that we do here in Wangaratta as a food store. And um, 
Uh, they're, they're, they're doing uh, amazing things, particularly through this time. And so we want to encourage you to continue to support those. Um, if you have physical goods that you would like to donate to Loaves and Fishes, um, I know that we haven't been doing that for quite a while, but I'm in the office basically nearly every Tuesday. So if you wanted to drop anything off to go to Loaves and Fishes, just drop them into the office on a Tuesday and uh, I will be able to then um, pass them on um, or contact Russell who, who uh, has been uh, such a fantastic advocate um, for Loaves and Fishes in our congregation and we'll be able to get those uh, to them as well. So there's a few ways you can continue to support things as normal and uh, I really look forward to when we can again meet together and gather together. Hopefully that might be out late in September. Um, but I'm not getting my hopes up because I don't want them dashed like last time. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just want to encourage everybody, stay strong, stay firm in the Lord. And uh, remember, there is a, a time and a season for everything. And so uh, if you're having a time uh, of, of challenge or struggle right now, just, just know that, that God is sovereign over all. Uh, so we're going to sing one more song and then get into the message. Thanks for joining with us today.
being uninformed is, is almost like a sin these days. You know, we have such amazing access to information on all these different topics that when it comes to being uninformed, you know, we have to be really lazy or, or, or really um, uh, uh, just completely uninterested. And, and so we can actually really easily be, uh, uh, sorry, avoid being uninformed. It's actually very simple for us to do that. But imagine if you were living 2,000 years ago in Thessalonica uh, and you had responded to the offer of salvation as Paul preached the gospel to you, but then your teacher, Paul, was whisked away Uh, had to leave hastily without being able to explain fully all the mysteries that are faith in Christ. You would be uninformed. And it would be difficult to be informed. See, it would require someone coming to you and explaining to you these things in person, face to face, or writing a letter to you to explain these things. Now, this is the situation that the Thessalonians uh, found themselves in. As we know, people from their church had died and, and they were grieving over them, believing that they would miss out on Christ's return. And so Paul writes in this letter to inform them of the truth. We would do well to make sure that we ourselves are not uninformed about what is going to happen in end times. You know, the world right now feels a bit apocalyptic, but it's just another day. Yes, it's a challenge. Yes, it's difficult for all of us to endure right now, but it's just another day. But but this day, today, is one day closer to Christ's return. And so we should be diligent and make sure that we are informed about what is to come so that we can be secure in our destiny and understanding of what God has in store for our future as we by faith live united with Christ. So let's get into our passage today, which is all about Christ's return. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. So as you open your Bibles up to that passage, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word that, that it instructs us, that teaches us, that trains us, and that Lord reveals to us some things that are mysteries, like what happens when you return. And so Jesus, I ask that you speak into our hearts and minds God, I ask that that you make this passage alive for us so that we can learn more deeply and understand what our future hope is in, in your return. And so bless this message, I I pray. May your words remain and mine fall away. And I pray that, that this passage today would speak deeply into each one of us and give us that calm assurance and security about our future and about our destiny. So I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. Paul responds to the main problem facing this young church in Thessalonica. They lacked detailed knowledge about what happens to Christians who died because Paul did not have the opportunity to complete his teaching to them on account of being forced to leave. And so consequently, the Thessalonians did not have the understanding to cope with the recent deaths of some of the community members. And so they responded with bewildered hopelessness. And so, yes, he says, we do not want you to be uninformed. The Thessalonians were aware, sorry, they were unaware of the things that Paul will explain in the coming verses ahead. 
And Paul refers to Christians who have died. He refers to them here as being asleep, which reinforces his main point that, uh, you know, they will wake from the grave at the second coming, at the return of Christ. You know, the metaphor is not intended to deny that the dead are in conscious fellowship with God in, in the intermediate state. Referring to death with the metaphor of sleep is simply suggested by the physical condition of those who sleep, still unmoving, and, and was common practice at the time. It was a nice way of putting it, if you like. We often use things like passed away. You know, those sorts of, this, was, this was similar uh, for Paul. And interestingly, Paul then says that the purpose of giving them this knowledge of what will happen when believers die is so that they will not grieve as others who have no hope. You know, grieving is not wrong, but it is wrong to grieve in a hopeless manner like unbelievers. You know, having worked in a cemetery for, for several years and witnessing well over 2,000 funeral services, I know what hopeless grieving looks like. As I witness people without faith trying to reconcile death. You know, everyone wanted to be reassured that their loved one was in a better place. And so often this lie was told in an attempt to give some consolation to these families in the middle of their hopeless grief. The Thessalonians apparently did not understand that deceased Christians would rise from the dead and so would not miss out on the blessings brought by Christ's return. Epitaphs from the first century indicate that most first century Greeks had a strong pessimistic view of death. And so what Paul instead was giving them is this bright hope for the future for those who have passed away, that indeed they will have a future hope when Christ at his return with him. And, and so he continues on in verse 14. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Don't gloss over the words here, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do not let this be lost on you and rose again. You know, no one else in the history of the world has died and risen again permanently. Christ is risen, is the source of abundant hope. Death is defeated. He conquered the grave. Jesus won victory over sin and death. The resurrection of Christ is the centre of God's plan for history and is the basis for hope in the future resurrection of our bodies. Death will be defeated. Our destiny is secure. Look at what is written in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. It says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. No more death, no more pain, no more suffering. And Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 42 to 44 and 50 to 57, he writes this. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonour. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Verse 50. I tell you this, brothers. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. 
For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the great hope we have been given by God in Jesus Christ, who has gained victory over sin and death, and who gives us victory too. And it will happen in a moment. There'll be no warning in the twinkling of an eye. How long is that? Well, it's not long. <laughs> it's not preempted by anything. It is a mystery and will be a surprise. But don't gloss over how important those words are from verse 14 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that Jesus rose again. It is his rising again in victory that took the sting out of death and stole the power of sin in the law. Paul continues, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. Jesus is shown to be God's mediator of salvation who will bring deceased Christians with him. That is, the souls of those who have been in heaven with Christ up to that point. You know, the suggested picture here is, is of Christ coming down from heaven, bringing with him the souls of those who have already died. And Paul's point is that all Christians who have died, who have fallen asleep, will be with Christ in his second coming as Christ descends to earth. Now, there are some other views and interpretations of this passage that some of us may believe. One is called soul sleep. This is the belief that when you die, your soul sleeps until Christ returns. It sort of lays dormant and, and doesn't do anything. And the events of these passages is when it, it awakes, when these things occur. But that is, is highly unlikely given that the passage here says that through Jesus, God will bring with him the souls of Christians who have died, if you like. Now, we can also think of this quite logically. When we die, we enter eternity. It is only as we are living that we endure the concept of time. When we die, we step out of time and into eternity. And so when Christ returns and brings with him all Christians who have died up until that point, those Christians have been existing with Christ in heaven outside of time. And so it is plausible that the moment Christ returns is the same moment outside of time. It is plausible that at that moment when we die, we are all brought with God to experience Christ's return at that exact moment same time. It's a bit mind-bending, I know, particularly if, uh, you know, it might be a bit hard to grasp on a, on a Sunday morning. But, but, but time is only a constraint on us now in these mortal bodies. So when we die, we step out of time and into eternity. And so it's, it's, it's plausible for us to consider that when we die, that is the moment in which we step back into time as we are brought with God back into time, in essence. And at, at what we call the rapture, which is what Paul is actually speaking about here in his passage. That, that's one possibility. 
And Paul goes on in the next verse to explain in more detail how the dead are to be present with Christ. That is, because their bodies will, at that moment, be resurrected and reunited with their souls as they are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, as we'll see in later verses. And as makes sense of this passage I read earlier from Corinthians about the perishable and imperishable bodies, the natural and the spiritual. But it's vital for us all to note here that that there's no advantage for believers either dead or alive when Christ returns. See, we, we all meet at the same place and at the same time. And so there's no need for any additional grief directed towards Christians who die before Christ returns. They're not missing out on anything and neither are the living. And so if you don't understand all those concepts, maybe give me a call and we can have a chat again and I can help explain it a bit better um, or more to you and we can, we can chat about it because I find this one really interesting thing that we uh, uh, some people are really interested in and love a chat. Others are like, yep, great, Aaron, thank you. Let's keep going. So uh, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. It's a bit like what we're just saying about how no one's at a disadvantage. This passage that we're looking at today, it gives us the clearest picture of Christ's return and informs our theology on the rapture and end times significantly. And some might be thinking that it doesn't really matter what happens at the end. You know, it doesn't change how we live now. But I want to challenge that assertion. Because if you know your scriptures, then you'd be aware that there's some bad stuff that's going to happen in the future. There are large parts of Daniel dedicated to end times, as well as pretty much the whole book of Revelation. And there's plenty of other books of the Bible as well that have end times prophecies in them. But what is abundantly clear is that there are three main things that are going to happen. There's the rapture, the tribulation, and the second coming. So let's look at the rapture. The rapture is the removal of believers. You know, saints are caught up in the air. Christ comes to claim his bride, the church. So so there there is the removal of the church and then there's the inception of the tribulation. It, It is imminent. It brings a message of comfort. It's related to the program of the church. It's a mystery. It's where believers are judged. It leaves creation unchanged and it takes place before the day of wrath and is for believers only. They're things we know about the rapture. Then we have the tribulation. This begins with the rapture. Then there are seven years of God's wrath in two halves. The first half is covered in Revelation chapter 6 to 10. In the middle, the Antichrist sits in the temple and the image of the beast is set up. The second half is covered in Revelation 14 and 19. And then it ends with the second coming and battle of Armageddon. So that is the tribulation. Then we have the second coming. This is the appearing of the sun as Jesus returns to earth. Christ returns with his bride. He brings the establishment of the millennial kingdom. This is preceded by a multitude of signs and brings a message of judgment. And this is related to the program for Israel and the world. The second coming is is predicted in both New and Old Testaments and is where Gentiles in Israel will be judged. And this entails a change in creation and follows the day of wrath, and it affects all men. So that's sort of the main three things. And that is the standard pre-tribulation, pre-millennial view. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, then give me a call. I'd love to chat with you more. And that's where I sit from, from reading Scripture. 
particularly informed by this passage that we're going through today. You know, other views, some people view that the rapture of believers is in the middle of, of the tribulation. That's called mid-tribulation. Others think the rapture of the church is at the end of the tribulation. That's, that's post-tribulation. But what we'll see made clear from this passage is that only one of these views seems to stack up in light of Paul's teaching. And I believe that it is that the rapture of believers occurs before the tribulation, and that's when Christ returns. And so I guess the question we must ask is this, what is Paul referring to here in the coming of the Lord? Is he referring to the rapture or the second coming? Paul begins verse 15 with these words, for this we declare to you by a word from the Lord. Paul was given special insight directly from God concerning what would occur when Christ returns. He hadn't had a chance to pass this on to the believers in Thessalonica until this letter. But I'm glad that Paul had to write it down because he records for us some really important information. And first is this, Paul expected that he himself could even be alive when Christ returned. He believed in an imminent rapture, one preceding the tribulation. For Paul, he had a great hope that he himself would still be alive and get to experience Christ's return, which we call the rapture. He was certain that he would not experience the tribulation prior, but instead would be with Christ. And he makes it clear in the coming verses, 1 Thessalonians Chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. So this is clearly the rapture. And it is before the tribulation. Otherwise, Paul would mention to expect God's wrath before this occurrence. You know, a supernatural announcement will precede the Lord Jesus' return. God will announce the event with a shout, an angelic voice, and a trumpet blast. You know, these three noises, if you like, they, they summon the dead to wake from their slumber. You know, believers will hear these three sounds, if not all people living on the earth. God will herald the return of Christ from heaven. And what I find interesting is that the trumpet sound was indicative of proclaiming the Lord's presence in the Old Testament. And so here it heralds the presence of the Lord once more. And you might have picked up already from these passages that it's only the dead in Christ that experience resurrection. So this is only those who have died as Christians since Christ was crucified. It it doesn't include anyone from before. So this doesn't include anyone from the Old Testament. And so when the dead in Christ are raised, God will reunite their resurrected, glorified bodies with their spirits. And together, both the dead and living will be caught up from the earth into the air to meet Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 to 18. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So the dead are raised up first. Then we are caught up together with them. No one at a disadvantage, whether living or dead. You know, the Greek word for caught up here is the word hapazo. And it means to grab or seize suddenly, to snatch, to take away. And used here, it gives us the the sense of being forcibly and suddenly lifted upwards to the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. The Latin Vulgate used the word here, rapturo, for the same word caught up. Of course, that's where we get the word rapture from. And these aren't rain clouds that Paul is speaking of here either. These are the clouds of glory that surround the presence of God. And so in these clouds of glory, we will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, in the sky. 
And from that moment on, we will always be with the Lord. Talk about hope. And no wonder Paul says then to encourage one another with these words. Think about it. Whether we die or whether we are still living, when the rapture occurs, we will take part in this scene. We will hear a trumpet, a shout, a loud noise and be whipped up into the sky to meet Jesus with every other believer since Christ's death and resurrection. And then we will be with the Lord from that moment and forevermore. We will be with God in heaven through the tribulation and be spared God's wrath. We will be with God in heaven during the thousand years where Satan is banished from the earth and we'll be with God in heaven for Christ's second coming where Jesus will defeat Satan once and for all as he, along with evil and death, are defeated and cast into the lake of fire. As we witness the final day of judgment before the great white throne, and then we will live forever in the presence of the Lord in a new heaven and a new earth. So why is this so full of hope? Because we are spared the suffering and because we'll be present with the Lord. This is what is so clear from this passage in Thessalonians. That is, is so full of hope for believers. Our eternal security is sealed with Christ in his death and resurrection. And this is our future. This is the future that we will be taking part in. This is all about right thinking, which informs right living. We need to get our heads around this fact. This is our destiny. Now, some people along the way have got this a bit wrong. Some people believe that we are right now in the millennial reign of Christ. This view is labelled as being amillennial. And so they believe that the thousand years aren't literal, but they are a period of time. The tribulation is yet to come uh, and, and, and the rapture will occur at the second coming of Christ, wrapping up the end of this thousand years. But, but I'm sorry, but it just doesn't stack up because we're told in Scripture that Satan is bound for the thousand years. And if we are in the millennial reign of Christ, that would mean that Satan is bound right now. And, and, and this just simply can't be true. From your experience and from mine, it cannot be true. There's too much pain, too much hurt, too much suffering and too much evil in the world for Satan to be bound. And how hopeless would life be if that really was the case? If this is humanity where Satan is bound? That makes no sense. But we have hope because that's all yet to come. We cannot be in the millennial reign of Christ right now. And so I don't believe that the amillennial view is right. I believe that we are before that. So that's premillennial. Other people say that they're panmillennials. It will all just pan out in the end. Now, I like the humour of that approach, but it's bad theology. And it's unhelpful to inform us of the realities presented in Scripture that give us confidence about the future. And so what's coming next for all believers is the rapture, where we will meet Christ in the air. Then there'll be seven years of tribulation that we will all be spared from because we'll be with God in heaven. And then Satan will be bound for a thousand years on earth. Then Christ will return in the second coming and defeat Satan and evil forever, casting them into the lake of fire. This is the greatest hope, as this is the future that has been brought for us, that has been bought for us by the blood of Christ. This is the ultimate end of the gospel, to seal this as our destiny for those who believe and respond in faith to the free gift of salvation offered to us by Jesus. 
So how should we live in light of the reality of this as our destiny? Well, we should live with calm assurance, with confidence, and with purpose. We should live with calm assurance. This is our destiny. There's no need to panic. There's no need to be alarmed by our current circumstances. There's no need to live in fear. Our destiny is sealed with Christ. This is the worst we will ever experience life in this life right now. We'll be spared from everything else because we'll be with Christ. Our future is secured. And so as we approach our world and indeed our very lives, we can have the calm assurance that our destiny is secure in Christ. And so no matter what is thrown at us in the rest of this year and the years to come, we can have the calm assurance that we are safe within God's care, His love, our hope in Christ, and our destiny. And so we can live with calm assurance. We can also live with confidence. There's no need to be fearful or timid. We should live with confidence because Christ has sealed our destiny by His completed work on the cross. Jesus Christ is more powerful than an economy, more powerful than a virus, more powerful than our fears and doubts. And it is this Jesus that at the sound of a trumpet, at a loud call in a cloud of glory, will whisk us away to be with God forever. That is our destiny. And so we can have confidence to live now, knowing that this is our future. We can also live with purpose. Knowing our destiny makes it so much clearer what our purpose is. Our purpose is to bring the hope of the gospel to those who are yet to respond in faith to the person and work of Jesus Christ, those who are yet to have their destiny sealed with ours. That is our purpose. Yes, we're also called to be fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, etc. You know, all that, all that stuff. I understand. But our purpose is to bring the hope of the gospel. So when people wonder what their purpose in life is, wonder no more. It's to share the gospel. If you're wondering what to do tomorrow, share the gospel. If you don't know what to say on your next Zoom call, yep, you guessed it, the gospel. This is our purpose. This is what brings glory to God. This is the worthy response as people who have been saved by the gospel. Our destiny is secure. We know what our future holds. Whether we die or whether we're still alive when the rapture occurs, we will be with the Lord forever. And so we have the calm assurance of our destiny. We have the confidence in our destiny. And we have the purpose, we know the purpose of our destiny so that we can have the freedom motivation to bring the hope of the gospel to those who are yet to secure their destiny for themselves. So how should we think and live in light of Christ's return? Well, we should think and live that we're as secure in our destiny with calm assurance, confidence and purpose to bring the hope of the gospel to those yet to join us in our destiny. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us your word. And I thank you for this time this morning that we have dedicated to hearing from you, to hearing all about the return of Christ and what that brings for us. And Lord, I pray that that would bring us a calm assurance that our destiny is sealed with you that that is what we have a great hope to look forward to, that we can operate not only in this calm assurance, but we can also op operate with confidence, confidence that our future is secure through our faith in you and that we would then activate the purpose that you have given us in our living here on this earth in our mortal perishable bodies that purpose is 
to share the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ has come. He lived. He died. He rose again. He paid the penalty for the sins of all humankind once and for all that we can by faith in him through his grace respond to the free gift and offer of salvation. That is our purpose, is to not only live in that reality, but to share that reality with others. And so may you help us to think and live in light of Christ's imminent return as we share the gospel with purpose. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. My Savior on that cursed tree. His body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down. Transcend by heavy snow, Messiah still and all alone. Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise his name. Thanks for joining us at church today. Hope you had a wonderful morning. Uh, as I said, if you want to give me a call and dis discuss any of the theology in my sermon today, love to do it with you. 
Um, if you just want to call and uh, just have a chat, feel free as well. Uh, I'd love to have a chat with you too. Uh, be well, be strong, be safe, um, be uh, living with purpose this week and in your future, knowing that indeed your future is secure with Christ. Our destiny is to be with Him forever. And so I'm looking forward to the rapture. Whether I'm still alive or dead, I don't care. I'm really looking forward to the rapture and I hope you are too. And may that inform how you live your life today with this joy that we have a beautiful future in store for us and a purpose to, to, to share that possibility that everyone that we know could also take part in that future. And maybe you today are uh, a concern that, you know, you're, you don't have that future wrapped up for you yet. Uh, well, if you don't want to end up in the lake of fire with Satan and evil and death, uh, then may you firmly consider the claims of Christ. And what has been presented today in the gospel is available for you. And if you want to have a chat with me about that, then again, give me a call. Uh, lovely to see everyone today, or for you to see me. Um, we'll see each other in, in the future. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, and uh, I'll say to you, uh, as I do every week, blessings to everyone.